Hello, everyone. Welcome to This Week in Mormons, the Sisters Edition, with your host, Ariane Smith. And Tiffany Hales. And we have our very special third sister here tonight. Yay. Our apostate sister. Her word's not ours. Exactly. <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> this is Ciaran. Hi, Ciaran Birch here. <laughs> and we, if in case you're watching us on video... We do not look like what we normally, well, our faces look like what we normally look like, but our background does not look like what we normally look like because we are on location. That's right. We have taken TWIM on the road. That's to, right. We're in Southern California. We're in Southern California. This, this is how we got CR into podcast with us. We had to come. We came to her they this time. <laughs> yes. So we are having a sister's weekend in the LA area. Should we, should we tell them what we're doing this weekend just to make all of our listeners really jealous that they're not one of our sisters? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, as you all probably know, if you are longtime listeners of the show, Ariane and I live in the Boise area, and Ciaran lives down here in Southern California. And we have never done a Sisters Weekend, um, mainly because, Ariane, you've always had small kids. I've always had babies. Well, my babies are growing up. Exactly. So your youngest is five, and so you felt like, you know, I could probably get away and do a Sisters Weekend. Yes. So... Uh, this was kind of inspired by a trip I took in February. I went to uh, Austin, Texas, and I went to the LBJ Presidential Museum, and I loved it. And I was talking with my sisters about it, and Ciaran said, well, the uh, the uh, Nixon Museum is right by my house. And I was like, well, I've never been to Nixon. Perhaps we need to plan a trip. So that's what started this, is we wanted to come to, Ariane and I wanted to come down to California, hit the Nixon Presidential Museum, and hit the Reagan Presidential Museum. But then something else happened. Then Ooh. we were blessed with a glorious coincidence. Yes. <laughs> Which is that the Barbie movie. Yay! It's coming out. Well, it came out today. It the, came out today. The exact weekend that we happened to be here. Yes. So tomorrow is our Barbie day sandwiched in between our presidential visits. Exactly. We're doing the Barbie movie and there's also a Barbie experience to be had in LA. Yes. It is called the Barbie world tour and you get to go there. You get to go in all these different Barbie rooms and they have like pretend Barbie boxes. You could get in and do photo ops. But the thing I am looking forward to the most in the Barbie world tour is they have a full size replica of Barbie's RV courtesy of West Coast West Coast Customs. So I think that is going to be so fun. fun. And in honor of the Barbie movie tomorrow, I have been wearing pink since Thursday. And I have committed that I am going to wear pink for a week to honor Barbie because that is how strongly I feel about Barbie. But you two could not make that similar commitment, probably because you don't have the amount of pink in your wardrobe that I do. I do not. But I am wearing pink. We are wearing pink tomorrow. So, yes, we are all wearing pink tomorrow. And Ariane made us some custom Barbie earrings. I did. I did. So, okay. Should we mention our mom's weird Barbie rule? We yes. should it talk has about our mom to do with church stuff. Well, who knows? Maybe it does. Maybe uh, she in her mind. Maybe maybe she got this from some weird like yeah religious ideal. In our house, growing up, we had a rule that you could not play with Barbies. Until you could not own a Barbie. You could not own a Barbie. You could not own a Barbie until you turned eight years old. Yes, right around the time you lose interest in Barbies. Right. So we were the weird kids that were like Barbies, and all of our friends were like mm, over it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and the thing is, is I'm so much older than you two that I got Barbies when I turned eight. And then by the time Ariane turned eight, I think I was like 17 or 18 because we're 10 years apart. And so we're 11 you, years apart, yeah, 11 mm -hmm. years apart. So yeah, I was probably a senior in high school when you turned eight and could get a Barbie. Yes. And then what happened is you inherited all of my old Barbies. I did. And they were super retro 70s Barbies. We like Ken had actual hair. Barbie. Yes. And- Ooh, I, I got to like say, that. I did not, like I did not have the love for your seventies Barbies. Now as a grown up, I'm like, those were really cool Barbies. But as a youth, I was like, these are the most old fashioned, outdated, <laughs> ugly Barbies. Ken had real hair. I did not like the real hair. The Ken was super creepy. Very disturbing. So when I turned eight, I was very excited to get like my modern up to date eighties Barbies. Had you played with my Barbies or had my Barbies been put away at that point in time? Um, I think I got to play with your a little bit before I turned eight, maybe. 
Because I have a very distinct memory of your eighth birthday getting my Barbies out and okay, showing well, you maybe, the whole Barbie setup that I had. I did, maybe I didn't get to play with them I until I turned eight. I got to play with all y'all. But she, she was only four years younger than me. So there was no restraint. Like, there's no holding back. If I'm playing with Barbies, so is the four-year-old. But I did not get to own a Barbie. You had to lease your Barbie from Maria. She had to beg me for benevolence. I was reliant on her. Exactly. Benevolence. I'm sure that every time we played, I probably played with my new 80s Barbie. I got you. And I probably handed you the creepy 70s Barbies with the weird clothes. I cannot believe you did my Barbies. That is I'm hurt. I am so hurt. I actually feel really bad now because now I recognize them for what a relic. Like if we had those today, they are so cool. Okay. Do you guys remember going over to our grandma Ison's house, our mother's mom? Yes. The fifties Barbies they had. Oh, totally remember the fifties Barbies. Those Barbies. Those are some retro Barbies that I did appreciate playing with at the time because I could tell even back then these 50 Barbies were something to behold. Well, and okay, I guess now that you've said that, CRN, I guess I can put in context what Ariane's saying because I remember the 50s Barbies and I was not in there. You didn't like them. I didn't like them. You wanted your 70s Barbies. I wanted my 70s Barbies. (laughs) Well, by the time the 80s rolled around, I thought those 50s Barbies were great. I liked them more than the 70s Barbies. (laughs) I did too. (laughs) Well, and here is probably why I'm so excited about the Barbie RV tomorrow at the World of Barbie Tour is because I I had the 1970s Barbie camper in all camper. its oh, glory. I that camper. I will say orange I and yellow we and brown. We did lot. like the camper. We appreciated the camper. <laughs> we just didn't like the dolls that came with it. Ken with real hair. Ew. It was the Ken that was really throwing <laughs> us off. Ken needs to have plastic hair. Yes. Yes. So anyway, now you all understand why we are freaking out about our Barbie experience tomorrow because all three of us as kids growing up had the love of the Barbie. Yes. And probably why we had the love of the Barbie is because we were deprived of it for so long. It's like anything, right? If you tell a kid they can't can't have it, it. they just want it. They want it. They want more. Exactly. They want more. Exactly. So yes, we are enjoying our sunny weather here in Southern California, although I'm afraid we brought the heat with us because the temperature temperature here is kind of just exactly like it's what like in Boise 100 degrees I personally it is all over the western United States I am glad that it was that hot in Boise so that I don't have to feel bad about you coming (laughs) here and dying in the heat Yes. Yes. Okay. Should we do some news? Let's do some news. That's why we are here. All right. We're going to jump into the stories this week, church-related stories. So first one we have is sad news. And this is breaking news. This hit like 24 hours ago. Yeah. So this was just um, this week, Sister Patricia Holland passed away, the wife of Elder Holland. She was 81. Um, so the Deseret News did just a great article on her, um, her life. They talked about all of her accomplishments and her kids and how she met Elder Holland. Um, I didn't realize this. They said in the article, you know, she grew up in Southern Utah. He grew up in Southern Utah. She was in a small town and it said her parents moved her to St. George as she, when she was getting older, because they wanted her 16, they wanted her to find a nice young man to marry. And that was Elder Holland. And that's exactly what she did. They met in high school. Yes. And then I didn't realize she had a really big health scare in 2014. I didn't remember that. I did not remember that either. I was, I was very surprised when I read the article because we've known obviously since, you know, last fall, Mm -hmm. maybe it was sometime last year that Elder Holland was having some serious health issues and he started walking with a walker Mm -hmm. and, and there were, he was on dialysis. We heard, we heard that he was on dialysis. Mm -hmm. That's something that recently came out. We we haven't known too much about his health issues other than he's feeling better. He's mm-hmm. returning to a full working schedule and, and nobody had said anything no. that Sister Holland was having any health issues. And the article didn't really say it, just said she was hospitalized briefly with exactly. illness and then passed away. So we don't know exactly what it was, but in 2014... Um, she had a chest cold that turned into pneumonia and she ended up in the hospital for a long period like of time. Like over a month, I yeah. think. And I think it said too in the article that even post 2014, she struggled with lung related mm-hmm. issues. And so it kind of makes me wonder, you know, they said this was a brief hospitalization if um, maybe she still suffered from some complications of that right. pneumonia. Maybe so she just couldn't recover. Um, yeah, because she was in the hospital for a while. Um, they talked about how hard that was on Elder Holland. He is in a, 2014. In 2014. Yes. Because he is a go, go, go guy. And he had to put everything on pause, obviously. 
and be with her and slow down. And, um, but that was also really sweet. They talked about how she was constantly thinking of others, even when she was sick in the hospital and having a hard time breathing, she was worried about the nurses and she sent one of her kids to go to the gift shop and buy the nurse some slippers. Cause she could tell the nurse was having a hard day. I'm like, Oh, that's so sweet. Anyway, they talk more about how um, she met Elder Holland, some of her early callings. I did not know this about her either. Um, I always feel bad when I read these articles about the wives that pass yeah. away because I'm like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. But I usually don't know until they pass away and I'm reading about it. Yeah. But it, I should probably take the time to like learn a little bit more about them while they're alive. But she was called to serve um, on the general young women presidency. Um, she was a counselor under Ardeth G. Cap in 1984. That was your era in that young women. That was my era in Did you remember that she had served? I did not remember that she had served. I remember Ardeth Cap because mm-hmm. she was the general young women's president. And what I found interesting in this article was that, I mean, they had, you know, we had personal progress at that time, but not the values and the young women's, um, what do you want? Motto. To call motto. Mm-hmm. The motto. We, the motto. The motto came about <laughs> in the two years that Sister Holland served under Ardeth Cap. Right. And they re kind of did the values and did the motto. And so you guys grew up saying the motto. Right. I never. I I did not grow up saying the motto at all. Yeah. So and I also thought it was really interesting. They were living in Provo at the time that she was serving, and she talks about how she would wake up with her children to do music at five or six in the morning, drive to Salt Lake. Um, to church headquarters, have board meetings all day and drive home late to try to take care of her family. I thought that was very interesting yes. because um, just with a young, and I don't know how older kids were, but they were still at home. Yeah. I'm assuming they were well, school aged. No, least. they would have been because I started BYU in 86 mm-hmm. and uh, Jeff Holland was the BYU president when I started BYU. So mm-hmm. when she got this calling in 84, um, he, so not only is she doing this major church calling, her husband is the right. president of BYU. They both have major, major callings. So yeah. her son, Matt is a couple years older than me. And her daughter, Mary is exactly my age. Okay. And then I think David is a few years younger than that. So they were well so into she might have only teenagers. Had one or two teenagers at home. Exactly. Okay. I don't know if Matt would have been on his mission by then, or if Matt would have left 86, 87 ish. Okay. Because the mission age was a little higher than for boys. You okay. know, I had a class from Matt Holland at BYU. And how was he as a professor? Oh, a little dry, but <laughs> no offense, Matt Holland. I didn't get an A, so this is why I'm saying Oh, she's oh. bitter. She's bitter. Okay. He was a poli-sci professor. But still, yeah. I mean, you have teenagers at home and you can't just like, I mean, you, you still have to parent when right. they're teenagers. In fact, in many ways you have to parent more. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, that was a different era where yeah. they would do things like that. You would have two parents with major callings. Yeah. We had two parents with major callings. We did. They don't seem to do that anymore. So I found that very interesting that I, did, I had no idea that she had had such a big calling at the same time as he had. Yeah. Anyway, she lived just a fabulous life. They, they talked about how when he was the BYU president, they would get up and do devotionals together. And it became known as the Jeff and Pat show. Um, Cause oh, they were so entertaining. I'm like, I would like the hat. They were, they did. They did. Do I remember went to, those? Yes, I do okay. remember those because it seemed like every time he spoke, he was like, and now you're going to hear from Pat. You uh-huh. know, this was very much a team a partnership, sort of a calling. He was, you know, he wanted her there mm-hmm. and wanted her participating Ooh. and wanted the students to hear from her. They were doing that before it was cool to do that. They were doing that before <laughs> it was cool to do that. And, and, you know, and so knowing just the really close, tight relationship that they had mm-hmm. and, and still have, obviously, I just think this, my heart just goes out to Elder yeah. Holland because he must just be so just devastated at the loss. We already know his health is not mm-hmm. good. And so it kind of makes me wonder if this is going to hasten the de- further right. decline in sometimes his health. That happens because sometimes couples, that yeah. very much happens. Um, is it is it might hasten things along. But again, that is not our timing. That's would be the Lord's. But I, I think definitely our thoughts and prayers go out to Elder Holland and just yeah. how much he's going to miss her and their children, you right. know, their children are going to miss her dearly as well. Yeah, so. for sure. Well, it'd be interesting to hear his talk at conference this fall because yes. man, he's had a year. Oh yeah. He has had just a rough year. Yeah, So exactly. 
I think we'll all be anxiously rooting for him. And- <laughs> so we'll be like, okay, you got to hang in there till October so we can have one last, at least one last talk from you. Yeah. So anyway, anyway, there's been no announcement yet about the funeral arrangements. Mm-hmm. I suspect just based on what they have done when other general authorities have passed away, that they will hold the funeral in the tabernacle. They usually do. Um, it is usually um, broadcast on the church channels. And mm-hmm. so I'm pretty sure I, I would be surprised if it's not broadcast on their YouTube channel, that it will probably be broadcast on their YouTube channel. Um, you know, as those details roll in. Uh, we here at This Week in Mormons will keep you updated because we have many a social media platform for that. We have the Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagram. Mm-hmm. So um, we will we will, we will, will keep those details updated for anybody who wants to watch that funeral. Okay. I should call you guys on Twitter. I didn't think I realized you were on Twitter. Well, we don't tweet. Somebody tweets. Somebody, Somebody tweets. <laughs> it's a mystery how this all works. I, I kind of <laughs> understand how the Facebook works, and we have our own Instagram. I and do we follow. We tweet your, our. I do you follow the twins? We we do our, our own Instagram, Instagram, which we should post more on. Yes. But other and, than that, we just I, show up once a month and record, and somebody else makes it all happen. I know, and and I, you know, Jeff used to be an avid tweeter, and so I don't know. I don't. I, I honestly. I honestly don't know who's tweeting. Someone's tweeting. Someone's maybe, maybe Maybe. someone's not (laughs) tweeting. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, let's move on to our next story. Uh, Monday, Monday will be the 24th of July. And if you are a member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the 24th of July is a very celebratory day because that is the day that we honor the arrival of the pioneers into the Utah Valley with Brigham Young saying, this is the place. It's a very celebratory day if you live in Utah. I, That's very true. I don't think anybody anybody else celebrates. <laughs> well, doesn't your steak doesn't do a pioneer thing? No. Are you kidding me? My steak does a pioneer thing every year. No, we never do. And when we lived in Oregon, it was like mm, hit and miss. Occasionally huh. we do one, but not well, on regular. And maybe I should take that back because I haven't heard anything advertised for my steaks pioneer day this year. What they have done for a number of years is the Saturday before Pioneer Day, they do a big breakfast mm-hmm. at the at the old steak center, not the new steak center, and do games and stuff for the kids. But yeah. you know, my steak is gentrifying. And so there are there are fewer and fewer kids. So maybe that's why maybe maybe my steak is like kind of letting that go maybe by the way. Pioneer so. Day's canceled. I am surprised it's, with your It's a ex- holiday for the youths. <laughs> I am surprised with your extra steak that you don't have an extra over-the-top Pioneer Day celebration. Well, we did do Trek. <laughs> That's enough. But, I mean. Trek in modern clothes. <laughs> I respect that. <laughs> I don't. All right. So because Pioneer Day is coming up, we have several Pioneer-related stories. And yes, Ariane, you are correct. If you live in Utah, Pioneer Day is a huge thing. If you don't live in Utah, what will happen is you will likely sing some Pioneer hymns on Sunday. We have several to choose from. And that will, and you may or may not have sacrament meeting talks related to Pioneers. Hmm. Did you know the ex-Mormons have their own version of Pioneer Day? <gasps> no. Oh, no, I didn't know about this. Okay, this you need to share this. July 24th to ex-Mormons is known as Pie and Beer Day. What? Oh. It is where Mormons, ex-Mormons will go and buy some pie and buy some beer. No way. Really? Who started this? I have no idea of the origin of How did I not know about this? I personally have never celebrated pie and beer day, but July 24th for ex-Mormons in Utah involves a lot of beer and a lot of pie. No way. How did we not know this? I don't know how we didn't know this. This is amazing. Hot off the press. I'm a little dumbfounded. Well, apparently we don't spend enough time in ex-Mormon circles. You don't spend enough time on the ex-Mormon website. I'm not really on there anymore either. So maybe this isn't even a thing that anymore. That is as of like hysterical. Back in the teens, that was very that much was a thing. thing. That was a thing. Interesting. Well, there you go. Okay. okay. Sorry to derail. Something but this is why we love we love to hear your insights. I, again, because you have insights that clearly Ariane and I are completely unaware of. I have to pay attention. Exactly. Okay, <laughs> okay. Continue with the actual Pioneer Day. So um, they always like to do a thing at the This is the Place um, monument uh, up in Salt Lake. Uh, they use that facility for a bunch of things, but of course they use it for Pioneer stuff. And just recently, um, 
So they have this thing called uh, Daughters of the Utah Pioneer and Sons of the Utah Pioneers. Now, technically, all of us would qualify for that because in order to be a daughter of the Utah Pioneers, you have to have an ancestral connection to saints who crossed the plains and settled in Utah. You got more, more than one of those. Uh, we oh. we got many. We got so we're, in, we're in the club? We're in the club if we want to be. Do we have to pay dues? I don't know. I know that, you know what? See, I know. Do that, we have to live in Utah? <laughs> no, you don't because my mother-in-law here who lives in Boise, uh-huh. there is a whole chapter here in Boise. What? And she she keeps telling me you need to join because she knows I have the qualifications to join. The problem is, is my joining would bring down the average age because they're very old. This reminds me of Gilmore Girls. What was it? Daughters of the Revolution. The Daughters of the American Revolution. Oh, that's what it is. The D-A-R. Yes. This is like the Utah's version of that. This is Utah's version of that. And so oh. at least in Idaho, they get together once a month. They go to somebody's house. Uh, they kind of do a potluck thing. They have a theme. And then uh, somebody gets up and does a little talk or presentation about, you know, some some one of their ancestors or something pioneer related so they do that on a on a monthly basis but they're at at the this is the place uh monument in salt lake or heritage park is what it's called they always do a pioneer thing the monday before pioneer day so because pioneer day fell on a monday it was literally the week before it was july 17th and one individual that they invited to speak was none other than gail miller and Gail Miller is, of course, Larry H. Miller's uh, 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 wife. He has subsequently passed away. Utah royalty. Utah royalty. And um, she, at this, uh, at this meeting that they had on July 17th, got up and she was telling some stories of her ancestors and how it is that her ancestors landed in Utah. And she said, um, one of the things that she likes to take away, because I'm not, I'm not going to share the story. Mm-hmm. Y- y'all can go read the article that we're going to link if you want to know the exact story. But um, one of the things that she says is she says some of the lessons that she's learned from her pioneer ancestors are perseverance, faith, religious co- conviction, cooperation, community, preparedness, sufficiency, sacrifice, and service. And she talks about how their lives then kind of create a roadmap for our lives. And I really liked that because, I mean, obviously we're not being called upon to cross the plains in handcarts like our ancestors did. But we certainly have lots of challenges that we face in our life. And I I really, I have a firm testimony of this that, you know, you look and you see what those before you went through and that they survived it, even if it wasn't anything that was close to what you did, just the resilience that you can take away from that in your everyday trials. And so that's what, that's what she talked about. And I just, I thought it was a sweet story and the Deseret news this week uh, and the church news this week have been highlighting all sorts of other people who have um, they've asked to talk about their pioneer ancestors and what they've learned from them and kind of, I think the overall uh, arching theme that I have taken away from this is resilience. All right. And that I like. Very so, good. and on that same note, I have a, the last pioneer related story, uh, a guide to making funeral potatoes for pioneer day. Now, I don't know about you. I have never made funeral potatoes for Pioneer Day. No, no I never thought of no. that. I never thought of that either. This story was done by none other than Hannah Syriac. And as you know, oh. I interviewed Hannah a is couple of weeks ago. The recipe, the infamous recipe. This is the infamous recipe. So during my interview of her, now on her Deseret News biography, she classifies herself as a funeral potato connoisseur. And so I, we talked about that. And I said, do you have a particular recipe? And she went through her recipe with me verbally in the interview. Well, she has now memorialized it Ooh, in an article. We can all get it. We can all get it. So let me tell you a couple of the highlights of her funeral potato recipe. First of all, Clearly this woman has no children because these are very labor intensive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And if you had small children at home, you'd be like, yeah, that sounds really good. But, uh, I don't get girlfriend's got no time for that. Mama's got no time for that. (laughs) So she starts with russet potatoes. She boils them and then she shreds them. But here's where things get really interesting. 
you need butter for funeral potatoes. You, you, it, no, no legit funeral potato recipe just does. You know, every legit funeral potato recipe has butter. It's true. How to makes her own. I heard her say that when you interviewed her, and my jaw literally dropped. I was like, "What?" Yes. So what she does and what she says is she says you mm-hmm. shake a mason jar full of heavy cream until you have butter. Okay. I have a vague memory of doing this in kindergarten. Okay. So maybe. How long does this take? Maybe you could put your kids on it and be like, shake this up, children. Oh. It's a science experiment. Because, I mean, <laughs> I've whipped cream in my my KitchenAid. I haven't whipped it to butter stage, but like my KitchenAid is going pretty fast to get to the whipped cream stage because I think you have to get to the whipped cream stage before you get to the butter stage. So I'm sitting there going, my my biggest question is, and and maybe I should have tried this before I podcasted and maybe I'll, maybe I'll try this this next week. How long does it take when you put the the heavy cream in a mason jar to get to the butter phase? I remember in kindergarten, it took forever. That's what I I was also a kindergartner. So everything took forever. That's true. So maybe I will try this out. (laughs) Hannah swears by the making your own butter. So I I probably should not knock it until I actually try it myself. All right. Try it in your kitchen eat first. Yeah. You don't have kids at home anymore. You try it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But I'm also thinking to myself, um, if I need an arm workout, I think shaking the mason jar full of butter is going to help me for an arm workout. So the question will be, what will last longer? My arms or the butter? Which one will give out first? But you could turn on some music and like do a dance party, get a workout. Anyway, so and right, Hannah, you, you need to try it and report back. Yes, and Hannah always tops hers with sharp cheddar cheese. She was Ooh. absolutely out of it. I am on board cheese. with that. Yes. and um, she does cornflakes. She does not do the Ritz crackers. Cornflakes are better. So. I'm on board with that also. Well, see, I like the Ritz crackers better than cornflakes. Well, I think I like either. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, eat, I can do I either. I would eat either, but I like a cornflake. Yeah. No, I think we need to try out the butter thing. Okay, here's my question. Is she using canned soup in her recipe? Yes, she does use one can of cream of chicken soup. Okay. But she does say, of course, if you'd like to make the very best funeral potatoes, make your own condensed soup. I have done it the way where you make your own. Mel's Kitchen Cafe Okay, has my favorite recipe. He doesn't use canned soup. You make your own. Has your favorite funeral it's potato very recipe. Hard. What? Your, own, yes. your favorite funeral potato and recipe. you don't use canned soup. In okay. Mel's Kitchen Cafe. So how do you do it? It's like a roux with like butter and oh, chicken stock okay. and like cream. It's not hard to do. It like super elevates it. It oh. is like it goes from here. It's like next level good. Now, see, I can get on board with that more than I can get on board with making my own butter because making my own butter just sounds really hard yeah. unless I'm whipping it up in the kitchen. Aid. <laughs> Shaking in the mason jar. I just don't think I have the arm strength for yeah. that. <laughs> All right. You've got our next one, Sierra. Ha ha, I'm up. I specifically requested this story as the Californian here. Uh, <laughs> this is another Hannah Syriac, which, by the way, hi, Hannah. I actually met her last year at the Mormon History Association Conference. <laughs> Missed you this year. I hope I get to see you again next year. We're she like her fan is, club here. <laughs> she's lovely. I <laughs> love her. Well, and what was funny is before I interviewed her, she didn't know that you and I were sisters. And you sent her a text and said, hey, my sister's interviewing you. And Hannah was like, oh, small world. Small world. There's only there's only five Mormons, and we all know each other. <laughs> uh, this is an article about the actor strike impacting the chosen season mm. four release date. Obviously, everyone knows, especially here in California, very big deal. Actors are on strike. They just started striking last Friday, and L.A. is pretty much shut down. Um, and it has affected the chosen, which I have not seen the show, but I have had... I have had it recommended to me by a very good evangelical friend. So, okay. But the question is, will it affect the Book of Mormon video production? Probably not because they're not members of SAG. Yeah. (laughs) If they ever want to be members of SAG, they better Uh not scab. Because the thing is, if you act in something and you're non-union and they find out you're acting in something, Mm. you will never be allowed to join SAG. So So. even if the Book of Mormon actors aren't part of SAG, if they ever... Like if they're aspiring. If they're aspiring aspiring to be in SAG. Because don't you have to like have like a... like I think you have to have a certain number of hours before you could apply for SAG. A certain number of speaking parts or something like that. So, so it could. You, oh, now I'm stressed for them. I hope, I hope, I hope nobody pressures them into this. <laughs> I mean, it depends on what they want to do with their future. I have no idea what the recording schedule is. Anyway, back to the chosen. so chosen official account tweeted that its petition to con- 
to continue filming during the strike had been approved. Filming will resume Monday. Ooh. But then we come down here and it says... Well, that's that's the update on the original oh, article. Oh, that's the update on the original. Yeah. Oh, okay. The original article said they would have to stop production, but they were filing a petition. Oh, got and it. And then they got their petition approved. But Now, how does that... How are they doing that? I don't know. Because they for sure have actors that are probably members of SAG, right? Oh, I'm sure they do. Hmm. And but, writers, but, but they they got a petition from SAG. So the, the if if SAG grants the petition, maybe they got a religious exemption. Yeah, maybe SAG was like, well, everyone needs a little Jesus. <laughs> we need more info. It could do the world some good right now. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so I guess it will continue filming, and hopefully those actors are not banned from SAG. Oh. Well, and I wonder if it's one of those things that like maybe they're close to finishing if it's season close four enough, they let that they're like, okay, let's let's wrap it up, oh, maybe because you know to get everybody back together. But then if they wanted to start on season five, SAG would be going, no, 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 no season it. five for that's you till the actor strike that's, is over. That's interesting. I, cause that's you know, theory. it seemed like yeah. everything stopped immediately as when, I mean, the, there was a London premiere of the movie Oppenheimer. And they walked out right as they announced the yeah. strike and they all walked out. So I just assumed mm. it was like an immediate, everyone was going to not, not mm. be there. Well, and as Ariane mentioned earlier today, the saddest part about the strike is, Margot Robbie, who stars as Barbie. She stopped her Barbie tour. She stopped her Barbie tour. We didn't tour get to see the rest of her wardrobe. Because she had an she had awesome dresses <laughs> for every single premiere she was going to. Well, and press junket. And it was so good. I, mean, I know there's people out of jobs and this is a bigger deal than that. But that was like really sad for me. It was really sad for I me mean, too. Probably really sad for the people who designed her, her stuff that never true. got seen and photographed. That's true. So. It's rough all right. Familiar. Well. We hope, we hope this is resolved soon for the benefit of all. Yes. yes. All right. So my next article, this is out of LDS Living, and it is entitled Meet the Evangelical Pastor Who's Building Interfaith Bridges with Latter-day Saints Through YouTube. So there is a gentleman by the name of Jeff McCullough, and our very own Kurt Frankham has actually interviewed Jeff McCullough. I remember that. It was right after conference, right? Yeah, I believe so. Like he came and out to Salt Lake and went to conference. And- yes. And so oh Kurt interviewed him. I know. I went back trying to see if it was released on the twin platform. I know he released it on lead, his Leading Saints mm-hmm. platform. But I don't. I, in my mind, I thought it was released on Twim, But. I thought it was too. I, I couldn't find it. So I thought, well, maybe I saw it on Leading Saints or maybe I'm just really bad at looking. In any event, I knew that Kurt had done an interview. Well, LDS Living did an article on him and kind of went into his background. And um, he actually started out uh, in kind of video production and was going around doing that sort of a thing and just realizing that, you know, this isn't really what I'm I'm called to do. I need to be a pastor. And so he kind of changed his life course, became an evangelical pastor, and he originally had done some videos where he did not have really kind things to say about members of the church. And so then he was in Utah, and because he likes to come hiking, and he's been to Utah several different times, and he kind of um, had this just epiphany while he was in Utah I need to get to know a little bit more about members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So he started studying the faith. He started going to several sacrament meetings. He started asking questions and just kind of learning more about it. And then he started this YouTube channel, which is called Hello Saints. And part of this YouTube channel is he debunks a lot of myths about members of the church. Uh, He's very curious about members of the church. And one of the things that he has learned and that he has to do is he's like, fight criticism with curiosity. So whenever he hears something that maybe he's like, ah, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. Rather than do that, he's like, well, why do they do that? And so he puts his criticism on a shelf opens up his curiosity to figure out why. And that's kind of his core mission of, of hello saints. So he's gotten some backlash because people have found these old videos he's done where he's been critical of members Mm -hmm. of the church. And that's, and he's gone on and said, well, look, I've evolved and I've learned and we should all evolve and learn. And we, we don't have to agree on everything, but we can certainly understand each other. He has 50,000 subscribers on his YouTube channel. So Mm. that's definitely legit. And, um, 
and and he said it's also interesting because some Latter-day Saints took him with a lot of skepticism because mm-hmm. of his original videos. And so since then, he's become, like I said, members are friends with a lot of members of the faith. And uh, one of the things that he really appreciates is he says, I absolutely adore and admire people of the LDS faith because they are about family. They are about serving and they are about devotion. And it has really grown since he has really kind of been been studying things. And so I really liked that message. He also said, you know, one of the core messages is we share a belief in Jesus Christ. And so we can focus on the things that we have in common Mm -hmm. and not worry about the things that divide us. And I'm like, oh, no truer message in today's society. And maybe if a lot of people could take that message where he's like, I'm going to focus not on criticism, but on curiosity. And one of the reasons I really liked this story is about two years ago, and I know we talked about this on the podcast, our cousin Mike is a bishop uh, in, a, in, a, in a Boise area ward. And he had, just to kind of refresh the, the listener's recollection, you all are both very familiar with this. Mm-hmm. Um, he had an inclination that um, an anti-Mormon was going to show up on um, Fast Sunday, as we like to call it, Open Mic Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so rather than open it up for uh, people to come up and voluntarily bear testimonies, he had asked specific members of the congregation to come up and bear their testimony. So one or two of them did that. This gentleman who was anti-Mormon sat in the back of the chapel, started to walk up to the front of the chapel. Mike had a plan in place where his counselor got up and said, we're going to dismiss sacrament meeting right now. And then um, they started to have this conversation with this guy saying, you need to leave. He was very confrontational. They had to call the cops. Um, it became kind of a real thing. In fact, mm-hmm. you have a friend in that ward. Yeah. What did your friend in that ward I say? I have a friend in that ward. And even after, okay, they had a restraining order on the guy. So he had to be a certain amount of feet away from the church. Well, every Sunday when they would go, him or maybe one or two other of his group would stand however many feet they were required across from the church and, and protest. I watched those videos. <laughs> After this happened to Mike, I went to that guy's YouTube channel and I became obsessed. Oh, yeah, he with also has a YouTube channel. Videos. Not anymore. So, I tried to look for oh, it. Oh, is it gone now? I tried to look for it a few months ago because I wanted to see what he was up to these days. Yeah. Yes. I saw the videos of him on the sidewalk at the required right. feet away yeah, right. from the church. So they were actually locking the door of the church because he kept trying to come in or one of his... Associates. Associates. So they were actually locking the doors to the church building and having a member of the elders quorum stand by the door to let the families in as they came to church, like, um, which is really sad. You don't ever want to have to lock your church doors. Exactly. They had to, but I think they just didn't know what else. They just didn't know what else to do because the guy just kept coming back and distracting. And, and, and when he was actually in the chapel, this was videoed because he'd had his wife video it and put it up on his YouTube channel. Well, I actually was talking to Mike um, this last week. He called Mm -hmm. me on another thing. We were talking and I'm not even sure how it came up that we started talking about this guy. And he said, Tiffany, Mm -hmm. I have an update for you. And I was like, please give me an update. So this individual, he lives within Mike's ward boundaries. In fact, he only lives Mm -hmm. a couple houses away down the street from one of Mike's counselors in the bishopric. And they were over at this Bishop Bricks house and they were doing some youth activity that mm-hmm. night and the youth activity was wrapping up. And all of a sudden this gentleman, his name is Jody comes walking towards Mike and the, and the counselor and Mike looks at him and he's like, do I know this guy? And as the guy gets closer, Mike realizes who he is. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not on church property. They're on street property. He, he, you know, so he's kind of bracing and the guy walks up to him and he says, Bishop Deppie. And he says, yeah, I'm Bishop Deppie. And he's like, I don't know if you remember me a couple of years ago, I was at your ward. I created disruption. And Mike's like, Oh yeah, I remember you. And he said, I want to apologize to you. What? I know. This is why his YouTube this channel is This is why his YouTube more. channel took it down. is up. And so okay. they had this whole apology. Wow. They had this conversation. He took a picture with Mike. Mike That's ended up so sending nice. a text, I think, to like everyone in his ward and a bunch of people. And I just want to read you. I said, Mike, please send me this text. I said, I want to give an update on this on our podcast. And so he said, um, I wanted to share with you this picture of Jody and I. Jody is the protester that disturbed the sacrament meeting a few years ago. We had an activity with all the youth 
and uh, others tonight at the home of one of my counselors and Jody came over and wanted to apologize to me and ask for his forgiveness. He told me he was in a bad place and has changed into a better person. We had a great conversation and we even invited Jody and his wife over to be judges of the youth spaghetti cooking contest. His heart has been softened and truly sorry for what he put us through. It was an awesome and special experience. This is a truly tender mercy from the Lord and I and I needed this. Truly, the atonement is for everyone. He has so much light in him now. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Isn't that amazing? It's such a happy ending. It is such a happy ending. Wow. I will say his videos on YouTube, he was not just hassling Mormons. He was hassling other religions too. He was Uh an equal. He thought everyone was going to the bad place. (laughs) (laughs) So I hope he's chilled out on all the religion. I hope he's just good we have now. A very big apology religions. to her to go to. I hope to he apologizes. I hope he apologized to the Catholics and the Jewish people as yes. well. These were also people he was hassling. Wow. Well, I, I, just so interesting. Like I said, that he realized had had some self awareness and realized amazing. You know, know, and that takes a lot of it does, it does to come back and say sorry. Exactly. I mean, it's one thing to quietly take down your YouTube videos and yes. disappear, but mm-hmm. to go back and say sorry. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. Wow. So when I read this story about Jeff McCullough and his Hello Saints channel, I just thought this dovetails in so nicely with that because it's, um, it's kind of the same thing. Jeff McCullough started off kind of bashing Mormons and then he learned mm-hmm. a little bit more and got his head in a different place. And now all of a sudden he likes us. Well, very cool. Well, so, maybe we should watch for that guy's new YouTube channel. Talking about maybe we should. Oh, maybe he'll be the next Jeff McCullough. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. Um, next story we have is a Jenna Reese story. She is specu- speculating on the, the, she believes vacation Bible school for Mormons should probably be a thing. <laughs> you know, vacation Bible school are Christian brothers and sisters. This is very common in most Christian yes. denominations. Mm-hmm. They do it in the summer. I have often thought about signing my kids up and then every summer I miss, like we have some really good friends that go to a big Christian church uh-huh. and every summer I'm like, tell me when the sign up is. I want to sign my kids up. And then we always forget and I never get my kids signed up. <laughs> but I have had some envy of okay. the, uh, the Bible, the vacation Bible schools that these other churches have. So Jenna Reese is saying that she read an article recently, um, a new story about the church. I don't know where she saw it. I'm assuming on church news or LDS living or something um, that there have been some wards in Utah that she thinks might be piloting a program, a vacation Bible school. Now this is speculation. It's pure speculation. We don't know for sure, but there have she's, this report was about a stake in Utah that organized two single day trial runs for a Saturday camp for children age eight to 11. Um, and kind of modeled after like the FSY model is the idea. Uh, they were looking for like young single adults and others to volunteer for the stake day camp. Um, she thinks that this might be some type of pilot program that they are trying out. Um, because she said that at one point, president Corden had mentioned that part of the secret sauce of FSY is that it's a multi-day event. So she's speculating, Perhaps that's where they're thinking of going with this trial. Um, Anyway, she would love to see it. I, as a parent, would love to see it. But she does point out the hard part will be finding the volunteers. Um, Because with a vacation Bible school, in general, they do have a lot of volunteers. But they also have paid staff, I believe. Mm, Right. So that they are set up, I think, more for this model than our church. But I also will say that our stake every year... Once a year, um, at the end of like beginning of summer, they do a primary stake primary activity day for boys and a stake primary activity day for girls. Now it's not all day. It's half a day. The boys have the morning, the girls have the afternoon, but you come to the stake center and they do very similar to vacation Bible school type things. You learn Bible stories or whatever we're studying that year and have fun activities to go along with it. And my kids love it. So Hmm. I don't know. Okay. Interesting thing to keep an eye on. All right. Hopefully before Cam ages out. I know. I got to get some kids in there. Okay. Uh, We'll just go through this one real quick. Another article by Hannah Syriac. This one is about the origins of the Utah pink sugar cookie. Apparently 
this is not on the crumble menu anymore. And I'm very upset about this. Not permanently. Uh, but Hannah writes about where it came from. And apparently the, where she alleges the origin, where of she alleges the, the origin. Okay. Apparently I, and I will here. say majority of people in Utah allege it came from this place, but I allege it didn't. Okay. Has a different theory. I have a different theory. <laughs> the pink sugar cookie originated from a gas station called Dutchman's market in Santa Clara in, down in Washington County. Uh, it it exploded in popularity. People go there just for the cookies. I I've guess. been there. It's a good cookie. I have never okay. been there, but next time I'm in Southern Utah, I I need to go. Don't pass up that cookie. I, I yes, I I'm going to track these down. I'm not. I'm in Southern. I'm going to Southern Utah this fall. Um, yeah. So they uh, that's where they are allegedly. But Tiffany has another theory as to I, where the pink sugar cookie originated, have, also I, in Utah. I have another theory. And, well, this is actually not even so much a theory. This is based on fact because I lived through it. <laughs> so I'm not making up fake news. So the, the this Hannah's article refers to an article in the St. George News about the Dutchman's. I pulled up that article. Dutchman said the recipe, this was an article that was done in 2014. They said, we started this 28 years ago. So I did the math. So that would be 1986. Okay. So it's critical that you understand the timeline here. Okay. Here's the way this is critical. 1986 is the year I graduated from high school. Okay. And I went to BYU. Okay. Now, when I arrived at BYU, the big thing to do at BYU was to go to Hearts, which is right at that time was, it's a convenience store. It was right across the street from Helaman Halls. And you would go there and you would get a pink sugar cookie and you would get a Diet Coke. Best Diet Coke in town was at Hearts. And so these pink sugar cookies were known as Granny B's sugar cookies. And they came from the Hamalic family. Now, the Hamalic family lived across the street from me when I moved back to Provo. I remember that. Yes. So when I moved back to Provo um, after I was married, they lived across the street from me. And they had a restaurant that was south of campus in the early 80s because her husband worked for Geneva Steel and he got laid Mm -hmm. off from Geneva Steel. So they had this restaurant and they sold, her grandmother had this cookie recipe. They sold the cookies in the restaurant as a dessert and Pretty soon, they were selling more cookies than they were selling pasta. And so then they expanded out to these um, convenience stores and sold the pink cookies. And they were loose like the pink cookies we have now. The difference is, is they had sprinkles on them. The pink mm-hmm. cookies we refer to now don't have sprinkles. And then eventually they got a big manufacturing plant and they came prepackaged. So, and you still see them in gas stations. You still see them in day, gas stations. Packaged up. But packaged up. Not like a So I don't bait. know if because they're packaged up, that makes people think they weren't the original pink sugar cookie. But I think the Hamalics beat the Dutchman. Maybe. I think Granny B beat the Dutchman by a couple of years. Maybe this is the original cookie war. <gasps> oh. the, the Southern Utah cookies oh. versus the Northern Utah cookies. Oh my gosh. That sounds like a documentary in the making. Okay. Uh, somebody needs to get on this. Okay, Hannah, we're throwing this back to you. You need to get on this and do some research. Look if you need Granny B's. If you need Diane's number, I think I still have it. <laughs> All right. What's next? Oh, we have this fashion story. This was a really fun story. It's pretty long, so I'll just summarize it. There is this young adult Latter-day Saint guy. His name is Pono Pono Skousen. Um, he is a fashion designer in New York City. Um, what a life he has lived. He started uh, out in Miami as a dancer. Then his family moved to California. And instead of dance, he got into sewing and he gives credit to learning how to sew to the Relief Society. Because did he go with his mom or his grandma to Relief Uh, Society? He went with his mom. Okay. And they were sewing like pillowcases and things. And he really took an interest in it, but his mom didn't know how to sew. So she asked these Relief Society sisters to take him under their wing and teach him some sewing because he was so interested in it. And that kind of spurred this like lifelong passion for sewing. And he's a young guy. He went on a mission. He's back from a mission. He got into the very prestigious Parsons, Parsons design Ooh, school. La la. This guy better end up on Project Runway someday. <laughs> exactly. Or I'm going to be very sad. Exactly. Um, anyway, it's a great piece about him. Just such a unique guy and such a unique career for a young yeah. LDS 
And he's a return missionary as well. Yeah. In fact, he applied to Parsons Mm -hmm. before his mission, got accepted, decided to go on a mission, came back, applied again, and they let him in because they were so impressed with the growth that they had seen. Right. Well, and they said he grew so much much because he he got to work on the costumes for for the the Book Book of Mormon Mormon films. Exactly. So... Yes, he is one to watch. It's a Relief Society success story. Yes. Okay, next we're going to hit Steve Young, famous uh, BYU football player, then went on to play for the 49ers. Uh, ESPN, he has been a sports analyst uh, analyst for ESPN for a number of years. I think he was making about $2 million a year as this Ooh. in his sports analysis oh, gig. And um, ESPN had to engage in some cost-cutting measures. So Steve Young, he he got axed from ESPN, but he was in good company because he got axed with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven other gentlemen uh, that were all sports analysts and very well known for ESPN in their in their cost cutting measures. But don't you worry, he's got a new job, although it probably doesn't pay what ESPN pays. Mm -hmm. He (laughs) is going to be an assistant football coach. Uh, for the flag football team that his daughters, who are a senior and freshman, play on. It's very cute. It is very cute. I know. He lives here in California. Uh, that uh, this flag football just recently got approved. It's an inaugural high school uh, sport and season in California, and he's going to be their coach, their assistant coach. The head coach of the team is John Pay, who played with Young on the 49ers from 87 to 89, and he's been a longtime coach at the school. So that's very nice. I know. I thought that was. I, a, I thought that was really cool. It's really cute, and also how intimidated are the other teams? <laughs> Exactly. So not only do you have one professional football player, you got two. And I think this is so cool because he quit playing professional football before any of his children were born. So they have no idea about this career. And now he gets to coach his daughters. How fun. So big props to Stevia. It's very cool. And I love that they're coaching the girl teams. Exactly. They didn't get like poached for the boys football. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Because I'm sure those boy football coaches are drooling. Like, yes. Can we get... Some help over here. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. What are we on now? Temple updates really quick. Okay. We have two temple groundbreaking dates that have been announced. We've got the Modesto, California temple. that will be breaking ground October 7th. And we have the Fort Worth, Texas temple, which will break ground on October 28th. So very cool. I didn't even know they were building a temple in Modesto. Yeah. California is spotted with temples. I I know the ones around me here in Southern California. <laughs> uh, Modesto is an odd choice, but hey, it's a big state. Central Central Valley needs a temple too. It's a big state. You got to get them going all the way up. Got to get them all the way up the coast. <laughs> all right. Before we move on to Mormons behaving badly, I have to cover one last story because it is related to the Twim podcast. So there is apparently a site. It's called Feedspot.com. And Feedspot.com has an article that was released July 13th that says the 30 best Mormon podcasts. Mm. Does anybody want to guess what number one is? This is very exciting. (laughs) Number one, according to Feedspot.com, is This Weekend Mormons. Oh, my goodness. I feel like we should be celebrating. I know. It says, This Week in Mormons is a podcast for Mormons, friends of Mormons, and enemies of Mormons. (gasps) Really? Yes. It is roughly a 45-minute podcast consisting of a roundup of news and cultural items relevant to the Mormon community. Okay. So, apparently, I'd like to think you're the reason it's number one. Well, I would like to think so, too. But we do have lots of good hosts. Lots of twin contributors. Yes. We we cannot do this all by ourselves. Well, I'm biased. Okay, fair enough. All right, let's move on to Mormons behaving badly. This is a doozy. This this is a doozy. This is a classic Mormons behaving badly. This type of story is why we created this category in the first place. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So this happened in Alpine School District. So Utah County, let's just set the stage there for anybody who is familiar with Utah and the comings and goings of Utah County. There are some parents down there. And these parents have a son, and their son apparently wanted to have sex with his girlfriend. 
and apparently had had sex with his girlfriend and the parents were trying to prevent him from having more sex with the girlfriend. <laughs> so as a result of trying to prevent him from having more sex with his girlfriend, uh, he had to be accompanied by other persons when he was with his girlfriend and they required him to travel to and from school with his older siblings. So apparently the Alpine school district has a policy. The last week of school, they take attendance for the first two hours and then they don't care if you stay or what you do after the first two hours. So what does, what does JD do that we, all we know is his initials. JD and his girlfriend uh, get together and hook up and go have sex in somebody's car at the school parking lot. Three times it said in that article. Yes. Three times. I can't wrap my mind around that. So mom goes to the school trying to find her son. Can't find her son anywhere. Is upset that the school doesn't know where her son is. Apparently she ends up finding her son, but in a rather compromising position that she's not very happy about. Time number three, I guess. <laughs> number three. So what do all good parents who find their sons engaging in compromising behaviors do? They sued the school district for allowing this to happen. I kid you not, people. So they filed a, I believe it was a federal lawsuit against the school district. Yes, it was because it was a U.S. district judge who issued a decision. Now, here's what really chaps me. When they filed the lawsuit, they identified themselves as John and Jane Doe. They did not even have the courage to use their own names. What does that tell me? They knew this was wrong. They knew this was, I mean, if you feel like what you, your lawsuit's right. legit, don't, don't go by John and Jane Doe. Use your name. Anyway, I'm miffed <laughs> about that too. So they filed this lawsuit and um, they are, here is what they allege. They allege, of course, their faith says, you know, no premarital sex. And so they claim that the school district violated their rights under the 14th Amendment um, because they violated their fundamental right to make decisions concerning the care, custody, and control of their children because they said, well, the school district should have told us that they weren't going to take attendance so that then we would know we needed to like be on our son so he wouldn't be hooking up with his girlfriend. So they allege that. Um, they also allege that, um, that they... Uh, that because the district provided the opportunity for JD to engage in premarital sex while on school grounds, it violated their free exercise of religion. Um, they allege that the district did not do enough to help them enforce their religious beliefs. And um, the judge basically threw their entire case out. Obviously. As the, well the judge did, should have. The judge said the district has no constitutional duty to modify its internal procedures to further the Doe's religious goals. And the judge also said that um, the district uh, um, uh, does not have a requirement to prevent their son from engaging in premarital sex. That th There was basically nothing on the district. So again, Son's behavior is bad, but in this situation, I think the parents', parents behavior is worse. Parents are who we are nominating. Yes. For exactly. Worse behaving worse. Worse. He was exactly. just being you know, a teenager. You know what I think? I think we're really lucky this wasn't all over the national news. Oh, are you kidding? Yes, we are. Because we found this in a Utah publication. Yes. This was like this Tribune. Was Salt Lake Tribune. We are so lucky. This is the kind of headline that will get on national news and make us look like wackos. As well it should. But yes, we are very fortunate that none of the national media have has picked this up and gone, what are they thinking in Utah? <laughs> so that is Mormons behaving badly. All right, let's move on to favorite things. Okay, would you like CRN, to go first? As I our have, guest of honor, you I get to have go first. a favorite thing and it's Mormon related, so this is very exciting. <gasps> I recently attended the Mormon History Association conference in Rochester, New York. Back in June, it was delightful, and I met a wonderful couple there while we were doing a church history tour. Uh, they are, well, I don't remember, Chris and Janae Baird. I almost lost his name. Chris okay. and Janae Baird. They uh -huh. are from Dallas, Texas. They are art collectors and they have an Instagram for their art. They have over 400 pieces of original artwork that they've been collecting, mostly from living artists. And is the artwork all Mormon it's or most, Mormon adjacent? Mostly Mormon artists, mostly Mormon adjacent art. It's not all like just about, you know, the art's not necessarily all mm -hmm. church related stuff, but the artists are mostly Mormon. And the most incredible artwork, they are the ones who actually own the painting. And I cannot remember the name of it, the painting in the conference center, the big painting with the women 
the angels, angels mm-hmm. on, you know, that beautiful, beautiful blessing, angel. the woman, blessing, they're the woman, they're all yes. coming down. Mm-hmm. I can't, I don't know why the name's slipping for me, but they are the ones who own that. They have, it's on permanent loan to the church now, apparently. And they have this whole Instagram full of their incredible artwork. It is called the Baird collection. Ooh. All one word, the Baird collection, the Baird collection Baird, Baird, on, Instagram. on Instagram, Baird spelled B A. I R D. Okay. And I actually told her about this podcast too. So I hope she's listening. (gasps) Oh, Janae, please be listening. If you are, your, your, your art collection is is wonderful and you and your husband are delightful. So, okay. Well, I want to definitely check out her Instagram page. The Instagram page. It's wonderful. That's very cool. Fun. Okay. Ariane, what's your favorite thing? My favorite thing this month is a show on Disney plus. Oh, it's called a small light. Have you heard of the show? Nope. It was so good. We watched it with our two teenage daughters. It is a show, um, a dramatization about Meep Geis, who is one of the people that helped the Frank family hide during World War II. Oh, I have heard about Um, this. So she was an employee for Otto Frank at his um, business. And there were several other employees that helped Uh also, but she is one of the main people that helped him hide for many, many years. And it follows her and her husband. Um, and so the Franks are in the video. Yes. It's about the Franks, but yes. her and her husband are the main character and what they were doing throughout the war to help the Franks and other people. And obviously it has a very sad ending, um, but it was so inspiring and just so well done. The acting was great. The set was beautiful. It takes place in you know Amsterdam and um, it was so good. And so good to watch with our teenagers. Oh, and did they like it? Did they, they appreciate they it? They loved it. They were very into it. I mean, it's like, I think, eight or ten episodes. And every night they were like, can we watch another? Can, they, can we watch oh, another? Oh, wow. And they learned so much. Um, because they neither of them had read the Anne I was Frank. just going to ask. Have they? No, neither of them had read Don't Anne Frank Diaries, which I read in middle school? school. Yeah, that's uh, like classic yeah. middle school read. Actually, one of my oldest daughter might have read part of it, I think in um, English, but my second oldest has not Mm. read it yet. And they actually haven't learned much yet about world war two. I think they'll get more into that in high school. Um, But so it was very educational for them and really got them thinking and it was very well done. Nice. Very uh, cool. Okay. Well, now that you two have done completely substantive uh, favorite (laughs) things, I'm going to do something that is just utter fluff and fun. That's always good too. So, and this is because we're in California, this of course is California related. So I love NBC's Chicago Wednesday. I like Chicago Med. I like Chicago Fire. I like Chicago PD. Of course, first of all, it's the summertime, so it's reruns. Second, we've got a writer strike and an actor strike, so I have no hope of seeing new episodes. So what, and NBC had had this in the works for a while. They have a summer replacement show that they air on Wednesday nights in, I think in the time slot that Chicago Fire is on, maybe the time slot Chicago Med is on, because I always watch it the next day on Peacock. It is called LA Fire and Rescue. And so it is a reality-based show and it focuses on fire departments and fire squads from here in the LA area. And they have probably, I don't know, about six different squads that they focus on and they go out with them on calls and they, they have them all over the city. Like they have Scott, they have, they have a station in West Hollywood. They're following a station in Watts, a station in um, Palmdale, Compton, Claremont. Claremont's my, that's the town next door. I know. Well, okay, I got to watch this. You got to watch this okay, because this it's like cops, but it's like firefighters because um, oh I I remember cops I've seen a lot of cops yeah no this is pleasure but this is in my opinion is better than cops I like the firemen better than the cops yeah anyway in Calabasas and Inglewood and then up in Malibu and it is so good first of all it's Dick Wolf and Dick Wolf it, it productions and he does all of the Chicago's and he does Law and Order and he does some other stuff other um Shows on CBS as well. So the production quality and the production value is really good. You don't have to like, you can sit down and watch an episode. It's not dependent on what happened the week before. And so it is on Wednesday nights. I believe it airs at seven o'clock. If you are in the central and Pacific time zone or central and mountain time zone, eight o'clock, if you are in the East coast or Pacific time zone, but if you happen to have the Peacock channel, which I do, you can catch it the next day on the Peacock channel. I did check to see if it's on Hulu. It's not on Hulu. The only way you can watch it streaming is on Peacock. 
Okay. If you don't, if you don't catch it in real life, in Dick real time, Wolf only lets his stuff stream on Peacock. All the Dick Wolf stuff is only on Peacock. Oh, really? Well, he must. Law and Order. I can't find it anywhere besides it's Peacock. He must have a deal. He must have he a deal. Have a deal. <laughs> so I, I didn't realize Claremont was one of those. I definitely I, have to watch. This I didn't now. realize that either. And there's a bio on the Claremont one. They've got a. I, I haven't seen Claremont focused on yet. I've seen some of these other stations, but apparently there is a uh, a chick captain at the Claremont that they that they focus Ooh, on. So yeah. okay, anyway, watch it and yeah, look I for wanna... spots that I know. All that right. Good. Okay, well, Twim Nation, thank you very much for joining us tonight. And um, as always, you can find us on all of the social media. You can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. Uh, if you are so inclined, please become a Patreon supporter. We do try and do extra content for Patreon supporters. And uh, the Twim siblings, although I don't think they're going by the Twim siblings right now, Matt and Melissa. Matt and Melissa did mention last week in their podcast, when you get onto Patreon, if you're trying to be a supporter, it looks like we're asking for $70 a month because that kind of freaked me out. What? And I was like, um, yeah, you're not worth $70 a month. But you, you can enter whatever amount you, you can want. can enter whatever right? amount you want. So I'm not sure how the 70 got there. So I entered an amount of $3 because of, that's don't what be, I... Don't be scared. That's what I thought was appropriate. <laughs> so yes, don't be scared. Please be a Patreon supporter. Get some of that extra content and help us keep the lights on. Thank you. Thanks for listening.